This episode of The Jake is brought to you by MVI Home Care. Our primary concern is your health and well-being. MVI is built on integrity, respect, communication, confidentiality, and teamwork. We are committed to providing comprehensive, high-quality home health, hospice, and infusion therapy services in a safe, responsible, and cost-effective manner. Our goals and yours are the same. Your care and well-being are our primary focus. also want to make an apology to the Jake listeners. Uh, last week, I did a top five of bad movie experiences, including Snakes on a Plane and uh, Wanted and a few other you know recent bad ones. And I was corrected by one of my uh, most loyal listeners, good friend and uh, guest of the show, Tom Scotto, who pointed out, multiple stories that I omitted and you know at first I, I considered them and and then I forgot about them because I you know it wasn't it wasn't really the path I was going down I wanted to make a uh, more you know more of like a bad movie experiences like uh, like ain't painfully bad and then I realized you know what these I I held these from my fans and they deserve to know so I'm gonna do a little quick rundown because I promised that this podcast would be authentic and unedited and uh, unfiltered. And uh, that's filtering is exactly what I did last week. So I'm going to take this back right now and, and give it to the fans. So we'll add a top five, additional top five. This is a continuation of last week of uh, movie theater experiences. Uh, most memorable. How about that? We'll call this one the most memorable movie experiences of my life. Number five, we're going to go with the first ever double feature. My dad and uh, R.I.P. my Uncle Jay uh, were two big fans of buy a ticket, hang for another movie. And uh, we, we always talked about doing it, but we never actually did it all that often. Uh, we ended up doing it on a rainy Martin Luther King Day back when I was in like seventh grade. And the two movies we chose had to be possibly the two worst movies to ever do a double feature for. First movie was Paycheck with Uma Thurman and Ben Affleck, which was like an interesting story, but kind of like a stupid movie where, you know, he, uh, Ben Affleck works on a project, but to work on the project, you're going to get paid a lot of money, but at the end of it, they're going to erase your memory. So uh, you agree to it and it'll, it'll, and a couple years will pass and you'll think that, no time has passed at all. It'll literally feel like a snap of the finger. Like, okay, what just happened? And it's like, oh, sorry, you just lost five years of your life, but you were paid handsomely for it. So in that movie, he, you know, he does it, he gets paid for it, and then he looks for the money, and it founds out that he got rid of it all. And it's all about finding the money, and why did he do that, and all that, you know, story that goes behind it. It actually sounds pretty cool when you explain it, but like it's just really far-fetched and really weird. I would still check it out, though. And the other one, the second movie, was Torque, motorcycle racing movie, uh, which I really can't say is any good at all. Um, I, I'm just like speechless, especially after watching a two-hour movie and taking a 20-minute break and then going back and watching another two-hour movie. I will say that the... Tra the ending song of the movie was Someday by Nickelback, which everyone knows is one of the top five Nickelback songs. Ooh, thought for next week, top five Nickelback songs. Anyway, uh, number four on this list of movie uh, theater experience, most memorable movie theater experiences. Number four is Ted. This is where we get into the part where unedited, unfiltered, uh, and I don't want to take away from my fans. Ted was came out a couple years ago. Everyone knows Ted. Everyone's seen it. But the com company you saw it with is the memorable part. Uh, the first day down on our beach vacation, the house wasn't open just yet. And we were melting hot, sweltering. Did not know what to do. We thought, well, we really just want to be in a dark room with some air conditioning for a couple hours until the house is open. And that's a movie theater. That's, that's the explanation. So my uh, mom went shopping, uh, and my cousin Derek, my Uncle Tim, 
my sister, my dad, and myself went to go see Ted until the movie theater movie or the house was open. And uh, my sister was sitting right between her godfather, my uncle Tim, and my dad. And that is like the worst movie to ever see squashed between those two people. So, uh, yeah, so pretty memorable, not for, you know, the good reasons, but I mean, poor Maggie sitting in between them, just like having to deal with all like the grotesque and uh, raciness of that movie, which was just like, I mean, it, you just don't want to see it with those people. That's all. So, but it's so memorable. I'll never forget that day. All right. Number three on my list of memorable movie theater experiences was Starship Troopers. Now, Starship Troopers, a lot of people can include in the bad movie list, but the, that's incorrect. Starship Troopers is an all-time favorite of mine. If it's considered a bad movie, it's the greatest bad movie that's ever been. Uh, the cast is actually filled with some pretty good people. Uh, Asak Schrader from uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, shoot, uh, Dean Norris is his name. He's in it. Uh, Jake Busey is in it. Oh, the guard from... Shawshank Redemption, I don't know his name, but I feel bad uh, he's in it. Casper Van Deem, Denise Richards, uh, you had Neil Patrick Harris. This is just like a really stacked class. Movies about the year 3000 and whatever when bugs are the biggest threat to the human race. And yeah, it's, it's so much better than you could ever imagine. Would you like to know more? And that's a little like homage to all the fans out there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, that movie, when we're in the movie theaters, not only was it one of my favorite movies I've ever seen, but when we were in the theaters, there were three other people. Uh, one left. One uh, was just, like, eating popcorn with us the rest of the time. And uh, one was sleeping by the time it ended. It was a snow day. My dad and I went, and it was hilarious how empty the theater was because this was like a mall theater this wasn't like just some random movie theater this was the movie the, you know this was the mall so you'd think that people would be there on a snow day but there weren't so uh it was just and you know it's tough to explain why you know it was so memorable but it just was because my dad and i were like sitting there just perplexed as to why no one was there and uh, we loved it though i loved it um and it was also one of the first times i saw nudity on screen so you know, hey, you know, kudos to Jake for that one. Which leads to, uh, yeah, to number two on this list, Triple X. Um, one of the movie experiences that I also have to include on here, while it's not exactly memorable for a great reason, uh, I'm sitting watching this movie with my dad, and uh, there's a scene, you know, it's, it's basically like a uh, low-key sex scene between Vin Diesel, who is like the hero in Triple X, and uh, just some random like Russian girl. And as they're like presumably getting it on, it's just like shadows, you don't see anything. My dad thinks it's like a phenomenal time to start talking about uh, like, yeah, so uh, what they're about to do now is uh, called sex. And I was like traumatized that this was the exact time that my dad decided we were gonna have this conversation. And that, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what? We're going to watch a Vin Diesel movie and uh, talk about sex. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. So it was, I mean, to all my friends, it's a laugh-out-loud, hilarious story. But uh, to me, it's gut-wrenching, and I want to claw my eyes out. Anyway, speaking of gut-wrenching, number one, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Most of my friends know this one. This is not going to be a surprise to anybody. Uh, Christmas, a few years back, when A Girl with a Dragon Tattoo came out, there were a lot of big-time reviews over this movie. It was a book that everyone loved, and it was a, like a thriller, murder mystery. Everyone was pumped about it. I really wanted to see it. At Christmas, the Brady family decided to do a big movie where the, all of us would go together, and no one could make a decision. And the options were Sherlock Holmes which, like, you know, whatever. Mission Impossible 4, which I was like, okay, I can see that. And, you know, those are always fun. Tom Cruise, you know, always puts out good, entertaining movies. And the last was Dragon Tattoo, which I just really wanted to see because 
I'm a big fan of checking out the movies that are like critically acclaimed and that everyone's talking about. I'm like, I gotta know. I gotta see it for myself. And I was pushing that one and everyone's like, yeah, I don't know. I'll see it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and no one can make their mind. So I'm like pushing for it. My Aunt Jerry reminds me, she's like, you know, Jake, I've, I've read the book. This is a, a bit of a racy movie. It's a little tough at some times. And I'm just sitting there like, uh, yeah, I think we'll be fine, Aunt Jerry. And uh, we were not fine. Uh, there were two rows of us, about 20 of us, sitting back, you know, back to back with each other. And my smart ass decided, yeah, this was a great idea. So we went and we all sat down. And if you haven't seen Dragon Tattoo, I will let you know that there is not one rape scene. There are two rape scenes, uh, extremely graphic and extremely invasive, and uh, just the absolute worst scene you could possibly ever watch with your mom, your dad, your younger sister, six girl cousins, and two aunts. Uh, not the scene you want to see. And during one of those scenes, over my shoulder, I get a tap, and it's my cousin Derek who's in the row behind me, and he whispers to me, Nice pick, asshole. And uh, he was so right, because that was uh, not a nice pick. It was a bad pick. So, yeah, Dragon Tattoo certainly takes the cake, because at the end of it, everyone was looking at me like I was the one who filmed that scene, like I was the bad guy or something. And it's like, no, I just heard it was a good movie. And, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that is by far my number one most memorable movie theater experience. And I don't think it's any close. So... Um, so I want to thank you as the fans for putting up with that. I know that this is, uh, this was quite the, uh, the talk of the town this week that I was omitting. But anyway, glad that I did that really long intro, about 10 minutes worth. Time to, uh, jump into the show. Glad I could clarify with that top five. All right. Thank you guys. wondering why I picked Green Day's Good Riddance. First of all, well, before we jump into that, welcome back to the Jake. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is episode 18, the Gary Danielson episode. Uh, Gary Danielson of SEC fame, uh, Cleveland Browns quarterback, who was a backup starter, backup starter for a couple years, uh, going in between some actually pretty good guys there for a while. Uh, Gary Danielson, famous for the SEC Game of the Week on CBS and Army-Navy Games with Vern Lundquist. So, uh, shout out to Gary Danielson. Or, maybe this is the Len Dawson episode. Want to know with the Browns, yet a Hall of Fame quarterback from his time with the Kansas City Chiefs. Len Dawson, we actually talked about last week when I was speaking of former quarterbacks that Len Dawson actually backed up. It's funny how things change, you know. Len Dawson was a backup quarterback for the Browns, moved to Kansas City, Hall of Fame career. Not bad for Len Dawson. Or we can finally go with Doug Peterson. Yeah, that's one that people recognize from the jersey that everyone likes to point out. Doug Peterson, 1-8, and 1-7 as a starter for the Browns. He was on those early teams that were really bad, and you might know him now as a Philadelphia Eagles head coach. You know, yeah, so Doug Peterson, all you know, all three of those guys, number 18. So, yeah, welcome back to the Jake episode 18. Uh, like I was saying before, you might be wondering why I chose Good Riddance by Green Day. Not only is it just a really great song, probably one of the, you know, the greatest songs out there in my mind. You know, when it comes down to your top 10 favorite songs of all time, Good Riddance by Green Day is, is going to be in the conversation at least. It definitely deserves a seat at the table 
if not, you know, a place on the plaque. But the reason I chose that is because Kyrie Irving is now traded from the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is now a member of the Boston Red Sox, or not Red Sox, geez, Celtics. Indians are playing the Red Sox right now. He is a member of the Boston Celtics. He was traded for Isaiah Thomas, Antti Zizic, uh, Jay Crowder, and a Brooklyn draft pick. But that's not really what I want to get into right now. What I want to get into is the whole Kyrie Irving aspect, because a lot of people have a lot of not nice things to say because of the way he left. You know, he wasn't exactly just traded. He asked to be traded. He didn't want to play with LeBron anymore. He wanted to be his own superstar. A lot of people have a lot of things to say. The only thing I have to say to Kyrie Irving about all that is thank you. you know, Kyrie Irving, thank you very much. You were part of six seasons in Cleveland where, you know, you came in at a very dark time. You know, LeBron had left in the summer of 2010 and the Cavs just came off of the worst season in franchise history after LeBron left and was going to the finals with Miami and, you know, looked like he was enjoying his time and we were suffering through a 27-game losing streak and, you know, we had a really bad roster. Got lucky by winning the lottery with someone else's pick. Drafted Kyrie Irving and he came in and was such a professional he always had such a great attitude and was someone that you could really build around. He's rookie of the year. He was three-point champion. He's made four all-star teams. Um, and and in his time in Cleveland, you know, he, he did so well that LeBron decided to come back. And before LeBron came back, you know, a lot of people were saying Kyrie was gonna leave. That Kyrie, oh, he he had played out his time in Cleveland, and that after his contract's up, he's gonna leave. And at 12.01, on the first day of free agency, he signed his big extension. He signed a four-year extension where he was going to stay in Cleveland. And everyone was guessing that he was going to leave and saying, he's gone, he's going to go to the Knicks, he can't wait to leave Rick Buecher. He can't wait to leave Cleveland. Maybe it wasn't actually Rick Buecher. I'm not going to put that on him. But um, a lot of people were saying he's going to leave. And he didn't. He signed the moment he could. And that started a big chain of events because then LeBron James decided to come back to Cleveland and try to win a championship for the Cavaliers. And you know the rest. They lost the 15 finals with uh, injuries to Love and Irving. And then the 16 finals, you know, Kyrie coming off another All-Star appearance, his fourth, or no, that was his third at the time. No, he was actually, he didn't make the All-Star team that year because he was hurt for a good amount. But, uh, yeah, he put in some just absolutely ridiculous games in the finals. In Game 5, when everyone counted the Cavaliers out, they were down 3-1, and the Golden State Warriors were 73-9, and on the verge of becoming the best basketball team of all time. You know, a lot of people are going to start talking Dynasty, too, because that would be two in a row, and didn't look like they were going to be slowing down anytime soon. Uh, 3-1. I said, you know what? Just win game five. Don't worry about the rest of the series. Win game five. Everyone was saying it was over. My friends were laughing at me, saying I'm, I'm a loser, a moron, or whatever. You know, some even intelligent basketball fans that were I was talking to said, look, man, this is over. You know, oh, are you sure? Are you pissed that you guys signed Tristan Thompson coming along? I'm like, what are you talking about? This is not over. You know, they... I'm not pissed about that. They are right there. They're very close. And you're like, oh, really, man? You think they're that close? Like, they're not close. Well, they ended up winning game five in an absolutely heroic efforts by LeBron and Kyrie. Both went for 40 points. Then in game six, they kind of blew them out. They were there for a while. Uh, Score-wise, it wasn't really a blowout, but right from the get-go, it was all Cavaliers. And then game seven, you know, tied at three. And uh, it put in one of the greatest, you know, NBA Finals games ever. You know, it was quite a game. And Kyrie Irving hit the big shot. And a lot of people are only focusing on what he's asked. He wants to leave. You know, he, want, he thinks the earth is flat or whatever your reason for hating Kyrie. And a lot of Cleveland fans are probably mad right now because they want Kyrie to want to be here. And I get that. But all I have to say is thank you. You know, he won 
the only championship in Cleveland in my lifetime. He won the only championship in Cleveland in my dad's lifetime. And this is remarkable. It's not something we're going to just gloss over because he uh, he didn't finish his career here. He'll probably play longer elsewhere. You know, he went to Boston. If he resigns there, he'll likely play longer than six seasons there because that's a destination city, which, you know, I, it's a little busier than Cleveland, but it's even colder. So I'm wondering why it's such a destination, but whatever. We shall see. And, you know, they've got a young roster. He's going to a good team. I don't want to... I wish he went elsewhere so I could actually watch him play well and root for him, but I can't really root for him in Boston because their fans are so obnoxious. And uh, it's not like they're going to take him for granted. They're going to hype him up to a point where it's so annoying that I can't handle it anymore. But Kyrie Irving, thank you. You won the championship here. I know it wasn't just you. You know, LeBron James was finals MVP and was absolutely heroic in that. And when LeBron... You know, if and when he leaves, I will also be thanking him. You know, I know it, I know the decision looms over this city, and everyone's going to compare all departures from Cleveland to the decision. It's not like that. When you win a championship here, you're forever remembered. And one day there's going to be a statue of Kyrie Irving. Uh, maybe not a statue, but at least his number will be retired. It was a special career here, and I have nothing but love guy he's a great he seems like a great kid uh it seems like he just didn't want to be lebron's younger brother you know what that's not the worst thing in the world maybe he wants to make his own player maybe he wants to be his own self is that really such a bad thing you know is it really such a, a crime to want to be his own guy i don't know uh, i'm not really i don't really see that side but i don't see the side of criticizing the guy who hit the game-winning three-pointer in the in, in the only championship in Cleveland history. You know, a city that has never really had good basketball outside of the LeBron years. You know, I mean, there's been a couple good stints, but really not that great of a run of basketball here. My entire life has been losing teams. You know, the Indians have had runs, but have fallen short in the World Series three times in my lifetime. Uh, they've had some winning seasons, but it's often just been losing. And everyone knows the Browns. The new Browns are quite quite the mess. You know, I mean, you look back to, I, I name my episodes after the friggin' quarterbacks, you know, and after what numbers they were and how many guys we actually had. It's, it's gross. I mean, I'm up to 18. I still have multiple guys each time. And we shouldn't have that many quarterbacks that have played here. And everyone likes to point out the low-hanging fruit when they play on ESPN. You know, the, uh, oh, oh, the Giants since 2002. And uh, then they show the list the Browns had. Yeah, we all know the list. Everyone always shares it with me. It's like they think I don't realize it. I'm like, yes, I'm very aware of it. And we'll get more into the Browns later because I have some good things to say about them too. But this is all about Kyrie. Kyrie! You know, it stings right now because I feel like Boston got better and they're going to be an even better team than they were this year as the one seed. I still think the Cavs beat them, but, uh, I mean, they are built for a really nice run now with Gordon Hayward signed, Kyrie likely going to sign afterwards, uh, and then two young, really good forwards in, in Brown and, and Tatum. So it stinks to see that he's going to Boston where I don't want to root for them. But I kind of wanted him to go to a team that I, you know, I could root for, like a Phoenix. But Kyrie Irving, just wanted to thank you. You uh, brought a lot of joy to my life in your time in Cleveland. And uh, I hope you find similar joy in your career because uh, you've shown nothing but deserving of it. So I wish you the best. All right. So enough with the mushiness. The Kyrie trade, it happened. A lot of people wanted to know my thoughts on it, and that's my thoughts. You know, from the Kyrie standpoint, you can't take away the NBA Finals, June 19, 2016. So no matter what, you know, everyone is really quick to judge who won the trade, right? You know, Colin Cowherd couldn't wait to talk about it. Skip, you know, 
uh, on his show, Stephen A. on his show. All these guys want to talk about is who won the trade and what about, because these were the top two teams in the Eastern Conference by far this year, and they traded, and, you know, two of the best three players on the combined teams got traded. So, yeah, it's, it's natural to talk about who won the trade. Uh, if we want to talk about the short term, I would guess that Boston won the trade. If we want to talk about it, but it's so tough because really, you know, the Cavs are getting what could be the number one overall pick in the draft. Now, what they do with these pieces is going to be really interesting because it seems like, you know, the Brooklyn pick doesn't really mesh with LeBron, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't care about playing with a teenager. He wants to play with like guys that can win now, which, you know in retrospect, doesn't really fit him for the long term, but if he's not going to be here for the long term, we can't really blame him. So there are a couple different things to weigh when looking at this trade, right? Boston got better, and they're building themselves for a long run. They took on more money, true. Uh, They traded some good contracts, true. But... They upgraded from Isaiah Thomas, right? They used Jay Crowder and the Brooklyn pick and that center to upgrade Isaiah Thomas. That's basically what they did. They had a really good scoring guard and they and who's undersized and, and is really bad defending. And they wanted to upgrade him. And they did. They got Kyrie Irving, who is one of the better point guards in the NBA. Uh, I've always said that he's... Probably one of the best. It's tough. There's a lot of really good point guards, but he's better than Isaiah Thomas. That's uh, I I well, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. He is, but you know I mean I think Boston fans would lie when Kyrie was still in Cleveland that Isaiah Thomas was better. But that's just Boston fans. What are you gonna do? Uh, they trade a lot to make that happen, and they trade a lot to a team that they're competing with right now. Uh, they're not always going to be competing with Cleveland. You know, if LeBron leaves, if and when he leaves, it's going to be Boston's conference to lose, right? But for now, Boston did a good thing. Now, what did Cleveland do? Well, I already told you I'm I'm not mad at Kyrie for doing this. Uh, The ring still exists, and it's always going to exist, Right? That doesn't not happen. And if you want to say, well, in retrospect, they probably shouldn't have traded for Kevin Love because maybe Kyrie would want to play with Andrew Wiggins and uh, maybe he'd want to play with Deion Waiters and all these guys. But you can't play this if-and-and-but game if you want to talk about the Cavs winning the finals and keeping these guys. It's such a different scenario. You know, you can't just act like they would have won come back from down 3-1 with that old with the roster of those other guys. You know, Andrew Wiggins, who's never made the playoffs. You know, Dion Waiters, who has, yep, never made the playoffs. Like, you want to include those guys, but you uh, are ignoring the fact that they've never done anything. So, actually, I think Dion Waiters made the playoffs one time, but I think he was still a backup then. Uh, but they traded him away, and it's just, it's it's unfair to say, oh, they should have did this. It's like, well, they won a ring, so they did the right thing. Maybe it's not as long as a run as everyone would hope. You, know, you got three years of LeBron and Kyrie. Maybe you wanted, you know, six years or whatever, but they still got the ring, and that's not going away. Uh, that being said, if you traded a dollar in Kyrie Irving, you probably got back 75 to 80 cents. They did get a wing in Jay Crowder, who I've always been a big fan of. Uh, he's a big-time defender. He could be playing the four a lot. He can, him and LeBron as the forwards are a really interesting defensive combo because I think LeBron's a really underrated uh, defender, and Jay Crowder would be able to help out defending Kevin Durant if they make the NBA Finals again. So I think Crowder can really help them. Um, Isaiah Thomas, while he's not Kyrie Irving, he does not have the finishing skills that Kyrie does. Um, he is still a very good shooter. He is a very good playmaker. And if healthy, you know, he is maybe 80% of Kyrie Irving. So that's not, that's not the worst thing in the world considering they had to trade Kyrie because he didn't want to be here. And you don't want to lose LeBron and Kyrie for nothing. 
you needed to get something. So they ended up getting a whole lot because they got Isaiah Thomas, who is who can make up for a lot of Kyrie's game. It's not like Kyrie was a great defender, or is he the bill of health that everyone is ignoring? You know, like everyone's saying how oh, you know, Isaiah Thomas is hip. Isaiah Thomas is hip. You know, of course. Danny Ainge has to bring that up after he trades the guy. He says, well, I'm concerned about his hip. Like, you can't just trade the guy and say, we really appreciate it. You know, and NESN had to break out how people in uh, Boston didn't really like Isaiah Thomas. It's like, take the high road one time for me. Just tickle the high road. Tickle it. But they are not interested in that. They don't want to. They just want to talk about their guy and bash a guy on his way out of town when... In reality, he played his ass off in the NBA playoffs right after his sister was just killed. So, I mean, where's the respect there from your town? That's just atrocious. Like, he, I mean, if he did that for Cleveland and played and played the way that he did, that that would be an all-time performance for Cleveland sports fans. But to Boston fans, I guess it's nothing. I guess it's just whatever. It's too bad because he seems like a really great guy. I'm really excited for him to be here. I think uh, if him and LeBron can work together, that could be a really interesting combo for this upcoming season. So we shall see. And I cannot wait for Game 1 when LeBron takes on the Celtics. Cavs-Celtics, Game 1 of the season. That's going to be fun. So I hope uh, Isaiah Thomas is part of that. I know he's not a very long-term thing. The long-term thing is the Brooklyn pick. Now, who knows? I, I kind of don't think we're even going to keep that pick. I think it's going to be traded. Um, it seems like the Brooklyn pick coupled with one of these guys, maybe Thomas, maybe Jay Crowder, to upgrade the position. You know, maybe uh, you know a lot of people are talking about, hey, that Paul George might be available if you make the Brooklyn pick available. Or maybe DeMarcus Cousins. There's, there's a bunch of different trades being out there. You know, maybe... Maybe they go about it. Maybe they hold on to it and trade it next year if LeBron decides he's going to leave. Maybe you use it if LeBron decides he's going to leave. Maybe I don't want them to trade it and then see LeBron and whatever they traded for gone. You know, I think that's a bad idea. Even if it means getting Paul George, I, I would love to get Paul George. And if they did the trade, I'd be like, you know what, let's go for it. Even though he was just traded to OKC, I don't see them really dealing Paul George after dealing for him, even if they could be getting the first overall pick. That's neither here nor there. Um, I think the Indians, Indians, I'm watching the Indians right now, sorry. I think the Cavs set themselves up nicely after having to trade Kyrie. You know, uh, a lot of people are going to criticize them for getting worse or getting farther away from the finals or this run is over. This is a move they kind of had to make, because if Kyrie was just going to leave for nothing, how much would they get criticized for just playing with him for two years before I'm leaving? Especially if one of them is with LeBron, not two. It's something to think about. But I think they did a good job. Uh, I still think they're the favorites in the Eastern Conference, because I think LeBron James is going to be the MVP this year. I think he's going to be so motivated to kick ass Four straight Eastern Conference championships would be something, especially if we change the roster up each year. You know, I mean, now we're not going to have Kyrie Irving for two of them because Kyrie got, well, no, that's not true. Uh, Kyrie got hurt in the finals in 2015. But but still, uh, it would be a different look each time because Kevin Love wasn't there for most of the Eastern Conference playoffs in 2015. 2016 and 17, they rolled through the East. 2018 should be really interesting, but they still got LeBron James, and his and the pieces around him are still really good. Isaiah Thomas, Derrick Rose, Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert, uh, Jose Calderon. They just picked up Chetty Oshman from uh, overseas. Jay Crowder, our, uh, Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry, uh, Derrick Williams, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson. I mean, it's a really long list. Jeff Green. They just picked up Jeff Green. And I, I'm still thinking I'm, I'm missing somebody, too. And it's it looks like they might get Dwayne Wade. This is a, I mean, it's a really good supporting cast now. It's just that, you know, how reliable are these guys? You know, a lot of them are old in their career. So it'll be very interesting. Uh, I hate talking about basketball in the summer. There's so many more in just 
there's so many other things to talk about than the NBA. I hate talking about the NBA at this length. So I'll just move right on to the next one. Let's go on to, we'll circle the Cleveland sports here. You know, right now I'm watching the Indians. They're about to lose to the Red Sox, which is ironic, and it sucks that ever since training Kyrie, we're going to be 0-2 to the Red Sox. It's not, not my favorite, especially since Kluber pitched so well tonight. Uh, we should have been down one nothing. Instead, uh, now we're down six one because uh, the wheels came off in the eighth inning. Stupid, but whatever. And uh, I, we're probably going to play the Red Sox in the playoffs. This Indians team is so banged up right now. All you want to do is just see them hold on to their lead in the Central and stay healthy. Don't worry about seeding at this point. They're they're not going to get the one seed. They're not going to get the Astros, which means and and the Red Sox aren't going to catch the Astros either either. So it's just going to be Red Sox-Indians, a combination of the 2-3. Get yourselves healthy. That's all I have to say at this point because they are so banged up. Kipnis is on the DL. Miller is on the DL. Salazar is on the DL. Carrasco's, it seems like he's pitching banged up. Tomlin is on the DL. This is unbelievable, the amount. Uh, Brantley is still on the DL. Chisenhall is still on the DL. There's like four all-stars on there. Like, not even exaggerating. You know, Kipnis hasn't been himself all year, so I won't even count him as an all-star. But Miller was an all-star this year. Salazar was an all-star last year. Brantley was an all-star both years. They're they're out. And these are guys we could use. Linus isn't always having a great year before he went down. This is... And Tomlin was an important starter to a team that is now, you know, pulling up their, like, seventh guy. This is... Not the way to hold on to the division. They're getting hurt at a pretty bad time. Hopefully they can all come back sometime in September and catch the groove so that they can make another postseason run. Because October baseball, man, it is so much fun. I forgot how much fun it was. And uh, obviously it was really fun this year because the Indians, or last year because the Indians had such a nice run. That was unforgettable. But really excited for another postseason run if they can get healthy. They weren't healthy last year and they still made a nice run. You know, they were down Salazar and Carrasco and Brantley and they still made a really nice run. Hopefully we can make another run this year. Hopefully we can get healthy because I think if healthy this team in the playoffs would be scary and I don't think anyone would want to play them. Okay, so that's my take on the Indians right now. And then finally we'll move on to the Browns. The Browns. A lot of people I know I say a lot of people a lot because I hate pointing out which one of my friends are, are dicks when it comes to talking about sports. But a lot of them have stuff to say about the Browns and they don't pay attention like I do. You know, no matter what no matter what you say, I pay attention to the Browns more than you do. It's just fact. I, I, I make it part of my routine every day. I, I look at an updated roster every day. And I'm always taking a pulse of the team. I want to know how in touch everyone is and, and how and what the situation is with the coaching staff. I want to know everything Browns because that's like my passion, which is why I took so much offense when Maggie Gray of Sports Illustrated talked about how Hugh Jackson has no pulse of his team. And she referenced, <laughs> she referenced coaches before him. That was the funny thing. When she was referencing, she's like, talk about – you know, having the pulse of your team and building a good chemistry. Listen to all these head coaches that have been here. And it's like, well, none of them have any anything to do with Hugh Jackson. So listen to all these starting quarterbacks since 2004. It's like, well, they don't have anything to do with Hugh Jackson either. Why don't we just stick to when Hugh Jackson started, which was January of 2016, okay? And he had to play different quarterbacks last year because they were hurt. They kept on getting hurt, and he was on a rebuilding roster. And what did they do ever since he, he's taken over? Well, they stripped it down, and they've been building it right. They have built a pretty impressive front seven, a pretty impressive offensive line. They should, by all means, have a good running game this year. Their receivers need work. There's no doubt there. Their linebackers are awesome. There's no doubt there. And their D-backs, yeah, they're really young, um, and a couple of the guys are really old. It's, it's a weird balance where... Uh, there's a couple guys in their 30s and a couple guys that are just entering the league. So should be really interesting to see that gel, 
you know, this season. But they know where they need to go next year. Unless Deshaun Kaiser doesn't do anything. Which, by the way, Deshaun Kaiser is now the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Now, it's not a permanent thing. He's going to be uh, game, th- game three of the preseason starter. And if everything goes well, he'll hold on to that job. Okay, that's where we stand with Deshaun Kaiser. Now, a lot of people... <laughs> so some people don't want to see him starting. They say you can really mess up his you know, mental game and what if he doesn't recover well from having a bad start or anything like that. It's like, you know what? Then he's not a franchise quarterback if he doesn't have the mental capacity to get better after a bad game. If you want a franchise quarterback, you need to have a guy that can pick up from his mistakes. Okay? we got to find out if Kaiser is, what's his floor? We don't need to know his ceiling. What's his floor? This is perfect. My cousin Brian Foley brings this up. What is Deshaun Kaiser's floor? Is his floor Ryan Tannehill? Because if that's the case, then you build around him. You have two first-rounders and three second-rounders next year. You build around him. If he's going to be Dak Prescott, um, Ryan Tannehill, Andy Dalton-ish, that range of quarterback, if that's his floor, then you go for it. You just need to make sure this guy's not a bust. That's what you need to find out this year. And if you can see him winning football games, putting his team in place to win games, not turning the ball over, moving the ball down the field, then yes, like that's the guy you build around. And you at least try, okay? But if he's like Johnny Manziel or Brandon Whedon or, you know, I mean, hey, even like Blake Bortles where you're forcing it and, you know, Teddy Bridgewater where he can never stay healthy. You know, you got to find these things out because it seems like this next year's class for quarterback is really something special. We've got Josh Rosen who may not come out, but I still think he will. Uh, Sam Darnold from USC. He looks really good. Josh Allen, the Wyoming kid. I know a lot of people are like, really? That guy? The Wyoming? Well, you know, a lot of draft pundits are saying he's got one of the strongest arms they've ever seen. Like, you know, right up there with Joe Flacco-esque, you know, Matt Stafford zip, Pat Mahomes speed, that type of stuff. So maybe, yeah, maybe Josh Allen is that good. So we got to find that out because the Browns are going to have all the picks to go and get themselves a QB. And this is why it was good they didn't pass on anybody this year. You know, they went out and they got Deshaun Kaiser. They picked up guys before him, but they thought at pick 52 was too good of a value to pass up. You know, I hate the whole wait till next year's crop of quarterbacks thing. Because you know who was next year's quarterback, quote-unquote? Christian Hackenberg. You know who else was next year's, quote-unquote, quarterback? Johnny Manziel. And how about, oh, there's a ton. There's a ton. This list goes on. Teddy Bridgewater was next year's can't-miss quarterback. Jimmy Clausen was that guy, too. Every year... There is a quarterback that is can't miss. Remember Matt Barkley? Another USC guy. Yet he didn't go until like the fourth round. You gotta be careful when saying next year's quarterback class. Okay? And I mean I'm I'm the one of the biggest culprits of it. But this is why you need to see what you've got on your roster. Okay, you gotta find out Deshaun Kaiser's the guy, which is why he should be starting the preseason game three. Give him a half. Give him a half, see how he does, see how he reacts. And then give him the first series of the second half and see if he fixes some of those mistakes. Because the Browns, it doesn't seem like they're going to be a great team this year, right? Like, then that's me being nice, all right? I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, go out and make these ridiculous claims. It just doesn't seem like they're going to be a great team. Now, could they be good? Could they be 500? If everything goes great, yeah, sure. But I think what's more important is seeing what you have at the quarterback position. You gotta see if Sean Kaiser's the guy. So start him, play him. I'm gonna be out there for game one against the Steelers. I hope he's starting. Because you know what you have with Brock Osweiler, and you know what you have with Cody Kessler. Those guys aren't franchise changers. They're not guys that, you know, take the pulse of the franchise. You need a guy that like when he's on the field, he's someone you build around. Kessler, Osweiler are not those guys. Kaiser might be that guy. So we shall see. Um Give him a running game. You know, last year we did not run the ball enough. Give him a running game. Because that's what they did for Dak. 
I'm not saying they're going to be the Cowboys of last year. I don't think they're going to do that. But Cowboys didn't even have a good defense, and they still whooped up on an incredibly impressive division. I know the Browns aren't as good as last year's Cowboys uh, because, you know, that was a playoff team with Tony Romo. But, I mean, is there any reason to believe that they can't have as good as an offensive line and a pretty good running game? That's what Dak Prescott needed. He didn't have a defense. He had one receiver in Des Bryant. He had a tight end, Jason Witten, that he didn't even use all that often. And he had an impressive running game. And I know Zeke Elliott was crazy good, but he didn't need Zeke Elliott to be crazy good. He needed his offensive line to be impressive and consistent. And that's what they were. Now, if Kaiser can get that, if we could see a really good rookie campaign from Deshaun Kaiser, if we get what we want from the offensive line, and if the defense can force turnovers. Because this defense is going to be really improved, and they're going to put Kaiser into better positions. You know, it's not going to be... It's not going to be like the, the Browns of old, where the defense is on the field for a thousand plays because we came on three and out. We're going to run the ball this year. We're going to slow the game down. We're going to play that kind of football, and I'm really excited for it. I think it could be a really surprising season. Not one fifteen surprising. Surprising like six, seven wins. Doesn't seem like that on the outside, but once you dive in deep and see how this team is building it, there's no other way to build a team than the way the Browns are doing it. They are doing it the exact way they had to in this position. So watch out for the Browns. Okay, so enough Cleveland talk for now. Indians limping, guys are starting, Cavs are trading. It's all funny games. But what is really fun is that this past weekend, I had some family in and got to go watch my cousin Jude umpire a baseball game. He's a professional umpire now. He, uh, he does low A ball, and this was his first trip to Lakewood Blue Claws. He... Did a great job. We were heckling him a little bit. We were so excited. We made it a big surprise weekend. And had to do some lying to get him here to say, oh, you need it. Can you please do the home plate for Saturday night's game? He had no idea all the cousins were going to be out here. He was so pumped. Everyone had a great time. He even threw out two coaches. <laughs> and we thought he was doing it for us at first. Unfortunately, we had just left the game, so we heard all the booing. And then I got note that he had been throwing out coaches and people were freaking out on him and saying that he was inconsistent. I'm like, that's my dude right there. That's my guy. Just, like, sticking it to everybody. And it was something else. Oh, man, that was funny. But we had a great time uh, at the game. It was quite an experience. Some of the, uh, some of the vendors, the uh, popcorn vendors and Cracker Jack vendors, uh, were playing the penis game literally like middle of the row uh, thinking that the whole like stadium wasn't going to hear them when they're like yelling it at them foul balls galore like they were like hot fire coming in at people that was something else um, it was really really crazy foul balls were like dangerously close to people and uh, and yeah it was just a great time the whole the whole cousins visiting is always a great time we showed them the, you know, went to the beach for a little bit, showed them the Parker house, took them to the boathouse, took them to DJ's. That was regrettable, so we left early. And then we had a party here at my house till like four in the morning. And it could not have gone any better. It was a really great weekend with all the cousins. And uh, looking forward to doing it again. I'm going to see a bunch of them in a couple weeks when I go out to Ohio. I know a lot of them are getting together in Cincinnati this upcoming week for. Fiona's christening, so everybody have a fun time. I'll be at a bachelor party, so I will also be having a fun time. But yeah, it's, this was a great family weekend. And I was in a softball tournament too. Uh, charity softball tournament for lunch break, which everybody knows I'm a part of. And uh, I was playing on behalf of Morgan Stanley, and I'm not going to name myself the MVP, but if you had to ask our manager, you know Chris Shaw, who the MVP was, 
you'd say. It's probably the guy who only made three outs the whole tournament. Uh, hit a three-run homer inside the park where he had to slide head first and uh, absolutely got the team on their feet. Diving catch a third, turned a double play, was a gold glover slash team leader. That guy was probably the MVP. And, uh, and yeah, I think that, yeah, yeah, that was me. Yeah, I think that was me. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I was probably the MVP of the, of the Morgan Stanley uh, team this weekend. We lost in the finals of a game that went to five extra innings, but, man, was it a fun time. I uh, got a couple of nice little raspberries on it, and, uh, yeah, going to change it up this weekend when I golf on Friday. Uh, not exactly looking forward to it in the most, but I will say that I'm looking forward to hanging out with all the people. Uh, I'm a bad golfer. I don't enjoy playing sports that I'm bad at, but I do enjoy the company that I'm going to be with. Uh, for Tom's bachelor party, there's going to be his two brothers, uh, our buddy Chris, uh, a couple of guys I went to college with will be there. This is going to be a really fun crowd. Uh, I think it's up to like 14 now, renting a house in the Poconos, which is going to be a blast. And like I said, I'm not good at golf, but I'm going because I'm really excited to like, you know, just be there with all the guys, have some beers, and just, just chill out and relax for a couple hours, and then all weekend long. And then we got fantasy football auction Sunday afternoon. And then we have Game of Thrones finale Sunday night. And I'll have Owen Stewart on next week, and we'll be talking about this whole Game of Thrones season. You know, we both had some pretty bold predictions. We want to see how those went, how close we were, who died, who didn't, because right now we're all over the place. And it's been a bit of an all-over-the-place type of season. So... It'll be important to catch up with Owen, check it out. Uh, also, I know I keep on delaying uh, uh, Zach Flaherty with the football preview. This was a very Cleveland-centric episode, and he would have been a great guest. But uh, I needed to speak for myself on this one and uh, go all in with that. So next week we'll do the football preview and the Game of Thrones Season 7 recap. Uh, that'll be next week's scene. This week had to be all Cleveland. I, I had to go in with that. You know, I gave you the top five before of, uh, of my movie, so I'll hold off on my top five for football phrases for next week as well. I got some great ideas for next week. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. Uh, but for this week, you know, I think we covered it all. This was a Cleveland episode, and uh, I know that's not for everyone, but uh, if you know me and you know my podcast, that shouldn't really surprise you that this is the way I go sometimes. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I'm having so much fun with this podcast. I know I say that often, but it's true. Uh, I'm going to work on getting it onto iTunes as well. I know it's uh, I, I took it a little bit for granted. I'm going to keep on going on SoundCloud, but I'm going to get this on iTunes too. Uh, I'm going to also work on the sound quality effects of everything because I know I need to improve on that. Um, there are things I just need to get better at, but I'm having so much fun. And I want to just thank everyone. Uh, this fall, if you didn't get a shirt, the Jake shirts went out pretty quickly. I still have a couple left, but uh, some of them are claimed, so I think I only have one or two left. Uh, so if you want one, you let me know. And if I don't have one for you, this fall, we will be rolling out, drumroll please, long sleeves. Yep, long sleeve shirts. I've got one on right now. I love the long sleeve look. I know a lot of people do like it. I'm going to roll those out this winter, this fall winter. Uh, going to probably get some koozies as well. Maybe uh, maybe like snow caps, like beanies. Uh, I got some ideas. Maybe change up the colors. I'll talk to my artist, Derek Brainy, and uh, maybe see if we want to do like blue shirts with, and reverse the colors, something like that. be really interesting to see what we can do. But I am going to bring it back out. So... If you missed out, don't worry. You will get another chance at it. And again, thank you all for supporting my podcast. I'm having so much fun. You know, um, and I'll leave you with this, with one thing. Went out the Blue Claws game. I was there with uh, my cousins, and one of my cousins brought two of her friends. And uh, they don't really listen to the podcast, but they support it. They love it. They, they like it. Um, uh, like it on Facebook, they'll retweet it, they'll they'll comment and stuff like that. 
And one of them, Kelsey asked, you know, she goes, so Jake, why are you doing this? What's your like end goal? And like, to be honest, yeah, it would be great to get, you know, just be like, oh yeah, someone calls me up and I get recognized for it. And all of a sudden I start like a career in that. That would be something else. But that's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I'm having fun with it. I like being able to just say my piece on sports without being yelled over or interrupted or having to be held to 140 characters. I think I have a lot to say on a lot of different uh, accounts. And I like being able to speak my mind freely on that. And I, I am having so much fun with the podcast. I am stealing some ideas from other podcasts, but I give credit to them. Uh, I love listening to Bill Burr and The Betches and Part of My Take and so many other podcasts that are really great. Uh, I like using their pieces to make mine better. And, it, you know, it's it's not stealing as much, much as it is just like, you know, being a sponge and taking in what they're good at and, and taking their advice, basically. So, yeah, so that's it. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. This was episode 18 of The Jake. Next week is episode 19, the Bernie Kozar episode, right before the Brown season starts. And uh, I'm, I'm not slowing down. We're, we're, we're rolling into the football season. I will report after the Vegas trip. I'll report after the trip to the Pokes. This is going to be a great, great fall coming up. Got a lot of fun things going on. Hopefully a playoff run by the Indians. Hopefully some wins from the Browns. Really excited for this one. Everyone, thank you again. Take care and God bless.